And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in with Counter Reed, Brandon Vogel. He's in his football abode. Uh, apparently, Glenn Thomas is uh, in the stream. He wants to check in. Uh, Tiger Shark Diver says, hello, I'm going to coach quarterbacks. Really good story with Counter Reed and Brandon Vogel on Glenn Thomas. Vogues, I'm going to start with basketball real quick and get your uh, take on the state of Big Red basketball. Does it feel like the uh, the season's over? Uh, Jawan Gary's a monster piece of success, but more so with or without him, uh, Nebraska's struggled on the road. Did you believe what you saw last night in the overtime loss or – did you feel like, all right, I've seen this movie again and again with Nebraska basketball this season on the road, so uh, I know where this is going. Oh, I definitely, I definitely believed it. Um, I, <laughs> it felt, it felt more than, it felt more like a documentary than uh, a, a, a fictional story. Uh, unfortunately, if you're if you're a Nebraska fan, given that we've already seen them blow a, a double-digit second-half lead on the road in the Big Ten this season um you know (laughs) that we talked about it i think last week on the show uh that purdue win like as as amazing and fun as that was like i was just kind of naturally skeptical about it because nebraska shot so well but i kind of bought in and i wrote last week that i kind of bought in that i think this team like at that point you've got to win over the number one team their shot quality stats are good Okay, they're not they're not perfect. They, they've got a thin margin here, but that that looks like an NCAA tournament team. After back to back losses on the road, I think we have a truer reading of where they are. And look, if you can win at home, if you can beat anybody at home, I guess literally based on what we've seen, uh, when things are in your favor and you've got a strong crowd behind you, great. That's that's a step step ahead from where this program has been. If you can't win on the road, what's that? You're a bubble team, and, and and that might be that might be what we're looking at here. I mean, the Gary piece of it is huge, um, but they've got to find a way to 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 win some of these games on the road to to show that you know it wouldn't be like if if that's all it was this year. If it was just like yeah, they're a bubble team, they they really struggled on the road, they're great at home. It was clear the basketball was better. That would still be, you know, a small step forward of, of some progress from, from previous seasons. But when you beat the number one team in the country, you'd like to think there's more out there for you. And uh, Nebraska hasn't shown that the last two games. Brandon, would you call this team as it stands right now a, a paper tiger? Is that too too harsh of a term to use? Because the, what I just said last segment was if you're a, a team that's good at home, but you can't win on the road, that means you're not a good basketball team. Is that fair? Um, I mean, I think that I think the home road piece of it is fair. I I shy away from the label paper tiger at at this point a little bit because you know when you have games like this, or even when you have the game against Purdue, because it's the same thing I was doing then. Like I try to look at kind of the broader picture. Like okay, you know Nebraska loses that lead against Rutgers, and they're clearly not playing well. They're getting out physical. They're they're outsized. All the things we all see, but they happened to come up with a way to win that game in overtime. Like, are we talking about an entirely different thing today? Probably not. Like, I think we would still see the flaws, but 
the tone of it's the tone of it's different. So if you look at the three, like okay, they shot really well and beat Purdue. They didn't. Iowa shot really well and beat them. Eh, consider those cancel each other out. Rutgers is just a big physical team, and, and Nebraska's not that. Um, and that said, you know that you have time to game plan for it. You got to know what you got. You're going to face and, and do some basic basketball things. But so I'm, I'm still kind of somewhere in the middle. I don't. I don't think they're you know fraudulent by by any means. They're just limited. Um, and if you're a limited team that's got some good wins and also some some quizzical losses, well, kind of back to where we started, uh, you, you might be on the bubble. And with that in mind, Brandon, if you're a bubble team, is an NIT appearance a win for Nebraska this year? Does that, that put Fred's job at, at risk? What do you think that type of finish would be? If Nebraska does, in fact, miss the tourney and it, it kind of continues going in the direction that a lot of Husker fans feel it's going today, what would an NIT appearance mean to you? I mean, people would go. <laughs> they, they'd show up and, and watch the games because Nebraska, I think, has done enough already to – to the point where they would, you know, unless the bottom totally falls out, uh, they, they'd be hosting the early rounds. But I don't think the NIT does much for you this this year. Not with the way that you started, not with the record um, that you had and, and sort of still have. Um, it's just there's and, and, it, and it's different at Nebraska with basketball, too. Like everyone knows the history here. And uh, it's it's kind of like. Not that there haven't been seasons where the NIT has felt like a like a big deal. It 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 definitely has, but I don't think with with the way this team started, an NIT gets you much at the end of the year. Brandon Vogels with his counter read, counterread.com. Vogels and shift over to Glenn Thomas. You've uh, followed a lot of the hires that rules made since he got here. Nebraska now has a dedicated quarterback coach. Let's do that math here uh, and talk upside with Glenn Thomas. What you like from what you've observed with his time teamed up with Rule, teamed up with Satterfield? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's the the kind of the lead here is when the those three have been together, they've they've done some done some pretty good things. So so Satterfield was with Rule at Temple from from the beginning in 2013. Um, Thomas didn't come in until 2015. They jumped about a touchdown in, in points per game in 2015. That year they were together, and then and then Satterfield went back to his alma mater for, for a head coaching job. And and Temple, which I think, if I'm remembering correctly, won 10 games in 2015 and was pretty good at that point. That was year that was the end of year three for the rule era. Um, they they took another jump even that that year following. And then it was it was kind of Thomas and, and his show for the first two years of Baylor. Satterfield joined that staff in year three um, as, as the tight ends coach, and that was that was Baylor's best year offensively. So I, I do think you could point to some things here that say, hey, the exchange of ideas between these three guys, head coach and offensive coordinator, maybe co-offensive coordinators, who both coach a position, uh, has been pretty good to them in the past. So. That's the starting point um, on, on the QB piece specifically. You know, we saw we saw Satterfield move up to the to the booth to to call plays later in the year, um, which left Matt Rule to kind of talk to Harburg Sims 
Purdy, whoever whoever was was coming off the field um, too often <laughs> after a turnover, as as we all remember. <laughs> but um, rule doesn't have to do that now. You presumably will have a quarterbacks coach down on the field, and and I I, I do think that that sort of stuff matters a little bit. So between between those two things, and and Thomas, you know, has a wide variety of experience. He got hired in the NFL very early, basically off an internship, you know, um, doing some work in the summer while he was a college coach with some NFL coaches that got him the Falcons gig. Um, so it's, it's an impressive resume. He's seen a lot. He's been around a lot of football. And, and I think anytime you add in kind of NFL experience to the equation, you're going to speak to, you're going to speak to potential college football players when it comes to recruiting. Brandon, one of the, 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 the selling points with Glenn Thomas, you've heard it a decent amount this week, is he's kind of a chameleon with his offense. He's worked in a lot of different kinds of offenses. He's not married to one scheme. So with that in mind, do we look back at that 2015 season with Temple or, or Satterfield's time with Glenn Thomas at Baylor as maybe a model for this offense looks like? Or do you think moving forward, the offense is more predicated on what Dylan Raiola does, your five-star quarterback? How do you look at what the offense looks like moving forward with these two together? Yeah, probably probably the latter. Um, you know, I don't think with a, with a player, with a five-star quarterback, it wouldn't matter if it was Dylan Raiola or it was one of the others. Um, that guy's probably not coming to Nebraska if you can get one to, to throw the ball 20 times a game. And if, if you've got effective quarter play, quarterback play, um, it would be kind of crazy to throw the ball 20 times a game, which is what Nebraska did this past year. Made sense. Um, and you know, we'll see as we go down the road if 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 that helped the O line. Like, there's, it's a lot easier from our seats, you know, to to look at a guy and be like, oh, that's air raid or that's option or you know what whatever whatever it is you want to do and say here's their style. Like this is what they're gonna do. They're gonna run it and it's it's killer. Um, that's fun. Less fun, but maybe more effective in the long run is being a little bit adaptable and, and being able to say like, okay, we've got a really strong quarterback. Our O-line probably is improving. We get the running backs we need. We're going to be able to do anything we want. And I think that's, that's kind of where Nebraska has positioned themselves. Folks, before we get out, A, are you watching the Polynesian Bowl tomorrow night? B, tell us a little more about Counter Reed, how folks can get hooked up. Yeah, I will be. I will be watching the Polynesian Bowl. You know, I watched that Iowa Tennessee bowl game, and and Nico, the famed five star quarterback for for the Vols, uh, that was his his first start. And I came away impressed from that. I was like, oh, like you know, five star guy. Like the ball just comes out of his hand differently. And you know, all star games are tough, um, but I just want to watch Dylan throw the football. Like we've seen we've seen a lot of clips on social media. Um, I want to see it on in, in a game now. Um, because I came away from that pretty impressed when I, when I encountered it from a, from a Tennessee perspective. So that'll, that'll be what I plan to do with my Friday night. Um, as far as counter read goes, uh, it's a twice weekly newsletter from myself and Aaron Sorensen, uh, had some, had some stuff on Glenn Thomas this week. Uh, we'll have another post coming tomorrow, but you can check us out. Substack newsletter, uh, free to sign up. We, we do hope you Give us a give us a try and eventually see the value and become a paid paid subscriber. But that's what we're doing over there. Try to uh, just focus on on things that are interesting to to Nebraska fans and also interesting to us from a writing perspective. Elijah's too. 
you're not going to ask him. I'm going to ask him. Where'd you get the the turtleneck? We love it. The turtleneck. Um, I don't remember where I got this one, but it's uh, it's cold. I, I live basically a couple of miles from Georgia, and uh, it gets down to single digits here. I used to be I used to be okay with this stuff, but it, it changes fast. The, so. the, the outfit you have. I was saying it before we start this interview. It reminds me of the scene from Goodwill Hunting, where uh, Matt Damon puts all those MIT students in their place in the bar whenever they get into that little discussion. You, you seem like one of that guy's one of those guys cronies. You know, one of the guys hanging out. Wow, in the I'm on the bad side of that. I'm not. On, I'm not on the guys from Southeast. Side. You look a little uh, preppy. This, inter- this interview's over. <laughs> How do you like that? <laughs> How do you like that? <laughs> Great, you blew it for Saturday morning too, Elijah. I mean, no uh, apologies. I, I forget he, I said he's it. He's sorry, Vogue. You take care. Thanks so much. All right, guys, have a good one.